0: Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we're building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton, and I'll show you how to embrace your child and your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter, and I will help you identify
1: and overcome obstacles that can get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships. And I help you realize the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons that we've learned from our own lives, the experiences from hundreds of families that we have worked with, and conversations with amazing experts.
0: Hello, our Lift and Love community. We are broadcasting from Park City, Utah together. Together. We made it through two rough days and we're on our third third day. (laughs) Yes,
1: we are in the middle of launching the Lift and Love coaching community and boy, Launch is for not the faint of heart. No, we are deep in
0: computer code.
1: No, I want to live just in the coaching world, not in the computer world. That's why I picked it And So this has been like, I talked to my husband today and he's still in Florida. He's like, well, how much shopping have you done with Allison? I'm like, none, the grocery store. Yeah, barely. (laughs) So barely, when you listen to this, it will be all fine. And the community will be launched and we'll be so excited, but, um, we are thrilled to take a break today and talk to our special guest, Dr. Lacey today.
0: Yes. We have Lacey Bagley from Celebrate Therapy. Hello. hello. Yes. Yes. In Provo with us. And we have something exciting cooked up. So Lacey, will you tell us a little about yourself, how you got to be yep. Dr. Lacey <laughs> and, yes. Uh talk talk about your new practice. I would love to. You. I'm happy to brag. <laughs> yeah, and I just have to brag for
1: a minute on Lacey. Like you should see her office. Like, I want to go there and tell you all my problems, Lacey. It is this we're gonna Emerald Green, beautiful. It's so curated so well. Lacey, like kudos on decor.
0: We're gonna screenshot <laughs> right you. now. So smile. So we just took a screenshot. We'll put it in the sh- show notes so you can see how beautiful it is. Yes. Okay, go okay ahead. So yep.
2: So I'm a marriage and family therapist. I went back and got my master's in 2015, 2016. And then as I was getting my master's, just had the energy and excitement to get a PhD. Like, I just wanted to know everything I could. This is exactly the field I've always meant to be in and applied to BYU and got in. So my husband and I packed all of our things in Mississippi and moved up to Utah and have stayed here so that we can launch Celebrate Therapy. So I graduated in April. I did, it took three years to do my PhD and um, worked with just incredible people. So my chair, Alyssa banford Wedding, Dr. Wedding, is just wonderful at what she does. She knows how to research and she knows how to guide students through the research process. And so it was just really empowering to work with her. Opened up Celebrate in August because I identify as bisexual and have been a member of the church my whole life and know that and have seen in the three years that we've been living here how much of a need there is for this sort of a practice. And I intentionally invited only queer clinicians to work here. So it's the first queer owned and um, queer operated, so to speak, uh, in that all of our clinicians are queer.
0: Oh, that's so great! In Provo, so, Utah, wow. Center Street—that's amazing. Right on Center Street, it had to be. <laughs> that's so yes, great. It did. Good job. We love that. So exciting. Okay, so are you
2: Mississippian? Nope, Minnesotan, which is why the room is green. Oh, so this yeah. is after my childhood in Minnesota.
0: Oh, oh yeah, bring it to Salt Lake because we're just about to go into the white, right? We're I know. I know. Into the improv in <laughs> round. Yes. Yeah. Great. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. It feels so good just looking at your room. Okay. So we have a big subject for you. Are, are you ready?
2: I'm ready. It
0: seems silly and small, but it's really one that stops a lot of our um, progress as our, moms. Our progress as moms, and it's one of those things you just don't know what to say. And, people... and and yeah, people say it to you, and sometimes you think it. So Yeah. yeah. So we're wondering is this whole LGBTQ thing just a fad? Do you think that this is just like the cool kids are doing it and that when kids hang out with each other, they're just more likely to end up uh, somewhere on the spectrum? What do you think? Yeah.
2: So we're going we're gonna to break that down in the time we have. Ooh. But I'm going to turn it back on you as a fun question. Right. Only because <laughs> I may look young, but I'm older than I look. What fads did you get to live through in high school? Are we talking school, high school? fashion or are we talking, what are we talking? Well, that's the whole question, right? What is oh. a fad?
0: Mm-hmm. And so
2: I'll give the definition. Okay. I looked it up because I was okay. like, this is really good. So it's an object of behavior that's, uh, that achieves, uh, popularity, but quickly fades away. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause okay. the things that were popular when you were in middle school and high school, I mean, maybe have come back again,
0: but they went away.
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, let's say, I'll say um, Calvin Klein jeans. We were just talking about this one. Adobe necklaces. Adobe necklaces, flash dance, clothing, a mm-hmm.
1: little off the shoulder. Guest jeans, big uh-huh. hair, lots of big hair, lots of makeup.
0: Some of the kids were smoking clove cigarettes and going Ooh. to the dances. <laughs> My goodness,
1: like, how scandalous. Dances
0: at the clubs. That was
1: not in Atlanta.
0: That, no, we were all about the oh.
1: monogram purses, the Adobe. Yeah, you were
0: <laughs> ruffy, it was a little yes. more like edgy uh mod here I guess
1: yes and I got to
2: live through the like silver and metallic blue eyeshadow mm. the very thin eyebrow yeah yeah like all sorts of ombre situations where your hair is maybe like super blonde but then grows out Is the whole thing yeah cute.
0: well I think we could do a whole podcast on eyebrows for the ages <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: yes Mine yeah. was
0: the thinnest you could possibly
2: get was ideal.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's okay. there's a bunch. Of, I mean, I guess there were trends in like scooters, like, you know, like Vespa scooters were cool and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I guess it's just. Depends. Yes, skateboarding was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It
2: is. Yeah, it does depend. Right. Yeah. But then let's talk about like your identity development.
0: Right. Was that a fad? My sexual identity.
1: No, we didn't even talk about
2: it. all of it. Right. Identity development as a whole.
1: Oh, who are you?
2: Oh. How can, did you figure that out? I think
1: of any identity in the, like, you know, cause I graduated 88. Honestly, Lacey, we didn't even like address it in my world. Like it was just, it was not even like something we talked about from my recollection.
0: Yeah. I think I always, I don't know. I guess I would look at other people's identities that maybe were different than mine, any kind of identity. And maybe try it on in my head, but just like, naturally it wouldn't, it doesn't fit. Right. Like whatever. Say that again. (laughs) Say that again. (laughs) Yeah. I would try on whatever identity, whether it was ballet dancer or like, um, girl who didn't care about anything. And really I try it on in my head and it
2: wouldn't fit. Yes. And Uh, that's exactly, yes. And that's what these kids are doing too, but you don't know until you get to explore. Yeah right so identity development is different than a fad in that like yes you're putting on all these like alternative different personalities or trying out different parts of your identity but that's so that you can find yourself right that's like true. that's why we get to play that game is because we're trying to find what what hits with us what resonates with us so do you have like any sense of like when did you feel that when you're saying like i tried ballet dancer i tried girl who didn't care
0: like, well, I just how did think, you like, know if are fit or not? Yeah. Like in elementary school and junior high, everyone d- danced and I was just not a dancer. Like I was, I loved skiing and playing tennis and, you know, I did all those sports. I just, I, I didn't dance. It just didn't, my body doesn't move that way. I was so. Un- did, you make, did you
1: feel less than that? You weren't like the dance. Class? Oh
0: yeah, I did. Yeah. But then I started skiing with guys and that was really awesome. Mm. <laughs> <And they laughs> thought I was a good way cool. to get dates. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that, that's the same process that's
2: happening with kids, right? Yes, we have more language around it and yes, we have like a more nuanced understanding of queer identities, um, both with sexual orientation and gender identities. But like it's the same thing. We're trying stuff on and seeing what feels good, what feels right. What is aligning with like who I am, how my body moves. I love that you said that with dance. Like Uh, my body just doesn't move like
1: that. I wish. I bet you all these kids could say the same thing.
0: I really, really tried.
1: And so how do you, like, because this is where the moms freak out, the parents freak out, right? Where they're Mm -hmm. trying on different identities. You know, what advice do you give to the parents why they're trying on these different identities? Okay. So turning it back again, this people who know me will know this is what I do.
2: I love it. What, what did you need from your parents when, guess what, all you wanted to be was a dancer and you couldn't move your body like that. And you couldn't fit in with the popular girls or whatever, whatever. What did you need from your parents?
0: They let me move to the next thing that felt right. They let me, you know, leave dancing and they were probably relieved not having to go to the recitals. (laughs) (laughs) To to watch watch you dance.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I would think like, not overreacting you yeah. know what i mean like like really just almost like res- like hearing it from like oh i'm going to take a different class right like just being like this is just another part of your life
0: yeah yes. and and yes. frankly in the 80s my parents weren't into their kids athletics and ballet like they are now
1: yeah it, it was a different. lot
0: more like oh all right you go try that can now. you get a ride yeah, yeah. <laughs> To drive right home. right, right. yeah or how much is that you know it wasn't right. it wasn't my parents weren't in it with me yes they were yes. just part of it they just were just. like facilitating whatever you know was important for my growth which right. I kind of like that stuff by the way
2: yes and it did you well like you found yourself
0: I did and I found myself in, and it's hard it's hard to, it's hard when you're different it's hard when you're I was taller I was you know not as coordinated or not as graceful, whatever. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do to move through those things. And then like regain your confidence knowing that you aren't like those people and you're not like them. And you no, know, it's a hard process. Yeah.
1: It's interesting that we're comparing it to like, like activities. Cause I do think like you see those parents who have invested a lot in like, say, you being a great tennis player, right? And then the child is sick of it, wants to quit and there's no way out, right? Because the parent has invested so much. And so I think like that is a great um, example for you to think like, am I investing so much in my child like being heterosexual or homosexual, you know, like where- choosing their whole path for them. Yeah. I mean, even from before the time
2: they were born, right? Right. As, As members of the church, you have a covenant path laid out for you. And so even as you bring a child into this world, it's like, I'm doing this in, in the covenant and like, let's go. Here's, here's your path. Yeah. Um. Instead of your kid getting to say like, what is my path? Like, let me find out, let me be right. fluid in this exploration process. And can you show up for me? Can you be here with me through the whole thing?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I know that a lot of moms really struggle. Like when they find out that their daughter is queer or in any, anywhere on that spectrum, just. Cause you have your ideas for your daughter, right? The same in mm-hmm. your vision. Yeah. The vision and whatever that is, you love long hair and your daughter wants to cut her hair or you love girly dresses and your daughter doesn't, or, you know, you're even with sons, we have visions and our husbands mm-hmm. have visions or fathers have visions that, that the son might not actually make, you know, meet up to. I wanted to be a great tennis player, like my older sister and my dad, mm, I wasn't. <laughs> it yes,
1: right.
0: My life was sad, and and,
1: <laughs> and this reminds me where you. I mean, we do like intentionally. I think try to parent the child, not the ideal. But what mm-hmm. advice would you give to the parents to, sh- to, to to either really check in to see if they're really parenting the ideal, or if and if they find there are how to move out of that. Yeah, so I think the big check in is when your kid
2: comes at you with, "Hey, um, I know you've been calling me Lacey my whole life. I am." Like in this place of exploration, I want to go by the name Paul to say, okay, Paul, we can do that for you. Right. And if you get stuck in that process, even just staying that sentence, like then there's some work you need to do there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. To say, why, why am I feeling reactive right now? What inside me is going on that I can't call my child Paul when they're asking that of me, right. When they already, you have established them even being able to ask you, Shows that you establish a safe place for them. Right. And like there is no greater honor uh, of, of in being a parent than to know that your child feels safe with you, that they can be themselves, that they're free to explore. And, and so, your child is telling you that. And yeah.
1: yeah, and so if you do find yourself triggered or reactive, like in that point, do you recommend that they be kind of honest with the child, like, "Listen, I'm working through this," or just be really quiet and go find somewhere place to like find a professional to help them through it.
2: Um, I think you could be honest just to say, like, thank you for letting me know. I am happy to call you Paul. If I forget, just like, please remind me yeah. and know that like, this is something new for me and I'm learning how to work through that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But your children are not the caretakers of your emotional experiences. Oh,
1: say and that. Again. so many. I think that's that. so, yeah. Say that again. That your, is so
2: yes. Your children are not the caretaker of your emotional experiences. I will scream that until my dying breath Yeah, because I see really it good. so many times the
0: opposite. It's so true. It's so true. You know, you were talking about the names and I just want to bring this up because a lot of kids get really mad when their parents blow it. Now there's like intentionally, I'm not going to call you this name because I mm-hmm. gave you this other name mm-hmm. and there's like the, oh, I blew it again. I didn't use your pronoun. And I didn't use your name, your preferred name. And I, like I say, I mean, I, maybe one time out of 10, I call my daughter, my little sister's name, mm-hmm. or oh. I switch the oh. boys, which are Luke and Jake. And that's really hard to get right. You know, yeah, no, if you talk to my five a-
1: girls, I never get them right.
2: I <laughs> yes. yes. We have a joke in my family that my name is actually Lacey Sierra
0: or Sierra Lacey because
2: <laughs> yeah. my little sister's Sierra.
0: Yeah. So like, That would be easier if you were the mom. Yes. Or just, yes. hey, yeah. you, but yeah, like we, for, so for our children, they need to allow grace to. And they do. Yeah. And that's something that moms um, feel uncomfortable addressing with the child. Like they're so mad at me and they're just mad about this and they feel like I'm not respecting them. And it's like, look, I will mess this up probably forever it'll get less and less but just you know bear bear with me and i respect this and i love you and you know and then the other one is we have a tradition uh, in our church of um using different names for different purposes right for um, in the temple we experience Mm -hmm. that same thing where we have a different name that should be kind of an honor and not a threat as much Mm -hmm. as um as kind of, we think it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's such Experience. a threat to those expectations. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, we named our children before they were born. Yeah. Like they, that was a big deal. It's pr- pretty much the only thing you can do while you're getting ready to yep. so think about you that have them yeah. or if you're waiting for them in any way. So. Right. And you're not wrong for doing that. No, right? no, it's just, and you got to mourn the shift and all of that. Yes. So. Yes. And you will mourn the shift. Oh yeah. But, that's
2: morning that like you need to do with you and your partner and seek professional help for, but you have to show up a hundred percent for your kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And they might in their exploration of themselves come to see themselves differently as they sort of mm-hmm. try and ease in to knowing that they're not a M-I-B, M-I-C, right? So it might not just be a one-time thing and everything's, as no, it' will be forever. no, it's it's like I mean, that's what this whole
2: the whole phase of life is. So uh, as part of therapy, marriage and family therapy, we study human development as we should, because it's huge. It's integral to what we do, right? Your kids' like life stage in their teens is identity exploration, trying on all these alternative hats, experiencing an intense amount of stress as they do so. And you to just hold them through that process and, so, and to say like, okay, Lacey or Paul or like whatever name you'd like me to call you, please let me know what your pronouns are. How can I affirm you in this experience so that you don't experience stress from me mm-hmm. when the rest of the world is going to freak out at you?
1: Right.
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah, What do you say to the people that say like, you know, I get this a lot. Well, why are there so many LGBTQ kids now like I've never seen so many. every day I find out about a new child it's so trendy you know that's where it comes from yeah and and I think that's why they think it's trendy I mean how do you answer that when that's brought up to you
2: um I wish I wish people always could sit in this office with me because my clientele are people who are like let's say 14 through 24 and then like 54 to 64
0: Mm. who didn't get that opportunity
2: to explore
0: their identities that breaks my heart Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and Lacey, what do you think about this? Dr. Lacey, parents come to me and they're like, they're only 14. And I, I say to them, you are so lucky. Like you get, your child gets to explore this when they should explore this Yes, and they won't do the internal damage of trying to like fit themselves into a box that was never made for them. And yes. You know, even my son who came out at 18 did a fair amount of damage that he's had to work his way back out of to be really healthy, even mm-hmm. in those four years, in times where he couldn't admit it to us, even though we'd talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Is that are you seeing this this yeah, current- that's, yeah
2: that's exactly <laughs> right. Yep. This is this is the time for them to be exploring. And are there more LGBTQ identities? I like. I don't think so. But are we giving ourselves and our children safe spaces to explore those? Yeah, I think we're doing better at that than we ever have. So let's continue doing better at that than we ever have, right? Yeah, I like and it. then as they settle into themselves, then you can show up for them the whole way through.
0: So would it be appropriate to say, hey, while you're kind of in this exploration period, sh- do you want to, um, you can, you know, maybe share with a close friend, but let's kind of see where this goes so that when you're ready to kind of share with everybody when mm-hmm. together and when you're set, or do you just let that come them be out naturally or however they want to do it?
2: Where is that question coming from emotionally?
0: Mm, that's a good point. Fear. Yeah. The fear that they're gonna change and people aren't gonna understand them as they keep sort of morphing into what's closer to them. Yeah. i yeah. oh, fear, I'm, fear of yeah,
1: fear of what people will yeah, see That's out. true. No, I and I working with one of my clients where um they are so you know, they're like, I don't wanna put it out there because what if I change my mind? And I'm like, Yeah, what if you change your mind? You get to change your mind. That's the beauty of being human, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm like really just understanding, like, like you said, evolution and evolving, that's the human experience and, um, letting yourself, if you are LGBTQ, like it's okay if you
0: say that and then decide to change your mind that you want to be different. It is okay. Um, Yeah. I wanted to be a judge and I ended up designing jewelry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I I mean that exploration didn't end for each of you. Right. So you put on different different clothes and jewelry and tried on different activities, but even in the last 20 years, right? How has identity exploration continued for you?
0: Oh my gosh. Right. Hitting 50 is a big deal. Cause all of a sudden I don't have to be like, I don't, I'm not competing with 30 year olds or I'm not, I don't care what people think anymore. <laughs> like it's a whole, yeah. it's the best. It's so fun. It's too bad. 14 so year olds can't be there. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
2: yeah. I know. But I mean, you've probably been through the whole gamut trying to get, oh, yeah. get to where you are, right? Yeah, yeah. So and if anything, like we can empathize the most with kids. Like, yes, we get it. Right. We're, guess what's still
0: in it? Yeah. And I I mean, I kind of hope to keep evolving forever. Yeah, because
1: mm-hmm. like I kind of view like the evolution of like me and um, my talents and my likes and dislikes, like, like it's part of what makes me beautiful, you know, i different and unique. And so- Like, I think the more you are okay, not being like everybody else and really seeing your differences, then I think that's where you really come into your full power as a human being and as a spirit of God, you know, daughter or son of God. And so, you know, once again, we're going to ask for your advice, Dr. Lacey, like what is the healthiest ways for parents to do this for their children? To just show up to say,
2: Hey, I hear you. I'm with you. How can I help you? You You have to trust your kid and it's not easy for people to do that, um, to trust that they know themselves better than you know them and that they will take this at the pace that is comfortable for them. And that when they get hurt, they'll ask for help, but you don't need to step in and you don't need to corral their experience. I like a
1: Mm, corral. I know the corral. I might be a (laughs)
0: corraler. Someone once said to me, these good words, like don't interview for pain. Mm. And I i am kind of a pain. Like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Are you all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to make sure everyone's okay. <laughs> I've had to learn not, you know, that's part of my, my growth is not making everyone. Okay. I right. can't do
1: it. But that is one of the tools. Like I do teach my clients is like getting, getting comfortable with your child's discomfort, right? Don't mirroring their discomfort because then you as a parent, like you're saying, like, Where's that emotion coming from fear? Like most of the time when you're corralling your child's experience, it is from the emotion of fear. So I think that's really yeah. the tool. It's like whatever question, whatever um, ask you're asking your child, check in with what emotion is driving that question or that ask. I think that's a 100%. really good tool. That's
0: That's good work. Yeah. Good
1: yep. work. Yeah. Okay. And then listen to your kid.
2: Listen, they know what they're talking about. And you can say, well, you're only 12. You don't know anything. Yeah. They know themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Because we get this sometimes too, where their child, where their parents, like they won't talk to me. They won't, you know, they won't open up. Um, you know, and I tell them like, let's sometimes texting or journal, like trying to give them alternatives. But what kind of advice do you give parents who they just feel like their child won't talk to them about this?
2: Yeah. So it's an environment of safety, right? So for some reason the kid is feeling unsafe. So you really have to check in with yourself and check in with the environment. What about this would be unsafe for our child? How can we um, talk about the relationships that we're seeing on TV or the interactions we're having with other people or the gay couple that we just saw holding hands walking down the street? How can we talk that talk about that in a safer way? Mm-hmm. And then the child will feel safe and will open up. So you really
1: are yeah, so it's just conversations are bridging you to safety.
2: Yeah, conversations and also just sitting with them. You don't have to talk about anything, yeah. right? So, I mean, the, the metaphor I say all the the time or like can feel and like feel with clients all the time is that like kid that's sitting on the sideline, right? Everyone else is playing the basketball game or whatever, soccer game, tennis match. And there's the kid sitting on the sideline and there's like crying or like not, they're so emotionally dysregulated. They can't talk. And for you to just go and sit next to them means everything. Right. To just say like, I'm right here.
1: I'm with you. I see you.
2: That's I good. see you. I'm mm-hmm. not going to push you.
1: I'll sit with you.
0: Yeah. That does magic, you yeah. know. I agree. So good. Okay. So we've got the the kid, the parent. Here's where the rubber hits the road, right? It pushes up against our religious beliefs. What do we do when what's what's happening in our home that we are raising, we know we're raising this LGBTQ child somewhere on the spectrum? And that, what happens on Sunday? How do we navigate that? As parents, how do we navigate it as parents?
2: Yeah, so as parents, you listen to what your kid asks. They already know. They know where you stand. You got to choose where you stand. You got to commit to the church uh, in whatever way that looks like now. You get to explore and experience your spirituality in whatever way that looks like for you now. You need to afford your child the same opportunity through the gift of agency. And so if your child is saying, I don't want to go to church on Sunday, okay, we're going to go to church. We'll see you when we get back. Can't wait to have lunch with you.
1: Mm, that's beautiful. It good. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> I think it is easy unless you add thoughts about it, right? And add a pain on yourself for
0: it.
2: Yeah. Because are you worried about what Christ is going to say about your church attendance and that child's church attendance? you know, when you would say, you would say, sit with that child. Yeah. Right. I, are you worried about what the church leaders would say? Right. Or are you worried about what the people in the pews next to you are saying, like as they gossip or whisper, or even show genuine concern that your child isn't coming with you on to church on Sundays.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think some of the worry is like, they're really worried for their child. Like, I mean, they have this belief that being at church and taking the sacrament and doing those things is the best place to be on the Sunday. So I think some of it is really coming from a place of love, but then it is worry. And I think you have to remind yourself that, like you said, this is their journey to navigate just like yours was. And I always love to think the Lord's in it with them, you know, like he is there completely. And just because they're demonstrating their faith differently from you right now, that doesn't mean it's a problem or it doesn't mean something's gone wrong. It's just their journey. Yeah. I had someone, I was having this conversation yesterday. I mean, I feel like I have it every day, now,
2: but <laughs> they're like, how, how do I love my child without condoning their behavior?
1: Right. such a great question because uh, we get that a lot. I'm yeah, so glad you that brought that. up.
2: so hard. Uh, those, even those words. Yeah. And That's it's, you, you get to love your kid and you are not their judge in Israel. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about doing the condoning, not your role. Your role is to love them.
0: Yeah. Once again, so easy. So easy. Hey Lacey, how did you make this transition? So when you kind of came to your identity, your full identity, how did that work? How did that work in your, in your head and your heart? And
2: Yeah. In my head, my heart was, I like both boys and girls equally attracted, um, romantically attracted. And I am growing up in a home where we practice Mormonism or we're active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I know that in committing to that church, then I'm also committing to being someone who dates only guys because the goal is to be in a temple marriage someday. And currently that can only be done with men and women, right? Mm -hmm. Heterosexual relationships. So that was one point. So when I was 15, 16, that was one point to say, okay, I'm committing to the church. And the second point was when I met my husband and we were pretty seriously going to get married, like talking, like this is happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I called a dear friend from home. All my friends from home were queer. And so I called and I said like, oh my gosh, I want to marry this guy. And I don't want to. And <laughs> he's like, well, then don't marry him. I was like, you don't understand. I'm eternally intrinsically connected to this man. And I like love him dearly, and I feel this chemistry with him that I never thought I'd feel with anyone. And I'm like excited to see where this goes. And so, so then I knew my husband's very, very LDS, very active in the church, has a very strong testimony and a believing testimony in it. And so that was the second point where I had to say, okay, I am choosing with informed consent to marry this man, knowing that we're committing to be in the church. So I had a lot. Of privilege knowing myself well enough so that I could make that commitment.
1: Mm, which is really good. Yeah. I mean, knowing yourself well enough, was that eternal? Or how did you develop that?
2: I think that was eternal. Um, I if you talk to my parents,
0: they'll say, like, Lacey's different, she came different. <laughs> this is how she is. I think that a lot of parents, when they can get past the, the shock and the, you know, whatever the denial they were going through. That's what I really wish people knew is that this isn't particularly just a sexual attraction to other people. No. I mean, g- these kids are different in like in a good, really way.
1: cool way in a beautiful way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And yeah. My mom, my mom will tell you I could love deeper than anyone she's met. I, the, the, my favorite uh, primary hymns were the, I'll walk with you. And then the are like, uh, if you don't, Oh no, that's so. I walk with you, like if you don't talk. Or every star is different. That was, oh, yeah, one. isn't that? So those are my two favorite songs. And she's like, "That like you love people differently than other people love them."
0: How did your mom find out?
2: So my parents didn't find out until just like a year and a half ago. Oh wow! Wow! I didn't explicitly tell them because I I didn't tell anyone except my husband. He right. was the first person I told, and the only one I had told for like ten years.
0: Wow! Did you? What did your mom say when you told her? Um, She gave me a huge
2: hug, big, huge hug and said, I love you so much. And then we have had some hard conversations afterward that have been uncomfortable because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she's worried. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was going to say, are those hard conversations always part of it? You think?
2: I think so. Cause even now I'm, I'm in a marriage. I've been married to my husband for 13 years. We have two kids. Like we're, we're in this, I'm not going to leave him or the church. Like I've made commitments and love my life. I'm very happy with the commitments I've made. Again, because I made them with informed consent, and still she worries. Yeah, what's going to happen to you? Are you going to stay? And what does that mean about you and what your life has in store for you? Is it going to be hard for you?
0: Yeah. Well, it's we're in new territory, right? So when my brother was growing up in the 70s and 80s, he wasn't able to. There wasn't an avenue for healthy relationships. I mean, some people could pull it off and I certainly know many, you know, gay couples that have been together for 35 years and more. I love that we have this more affirming place for these kids to be in relationships where they can talk to their parents just like they would if they were, if they were straight, talk to them about their relationships and where parents, as parents, we can talk to them in ways to help them through. because navigating that those experiences are it's really tricky it's, it's very really tricky and you, it, it helps to have like if you can kind of have a parent who's not like oh you know like who's healthy with you in it it can really make a huge difference in- It was a
2: game changer it's a strong foundation to stand on when you yeah. have
1: wobbly legs right yeah yeah And Lacey, and tell me if this is too, Dr. Lacey, tell me if this is too personal, but I get this a lot too, where, um, especially bisexual, like, like why come out, you know, like you're married, you're committed to this man, like what has changed for you? Like, what has been the benefit for you to coming out? This is going to make me
2: tearful to talk about. It's been my privilege to come out and to hold sacred safe spaces for those LGBTQ siblings in my life siblings being my chosen family and to uh be a strong foundation for them and then just to see them soar
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and to see them grow it's It's been been incredible yeah Yeah.
0: you know i love the way you look at it yeah i love i i i feel the same way about the journey that we've been on and the sacred experiences Mm -hmm. that jenny a holy place uh, becomes yeah And if everybody knew, if everybody knew like how sacred this area and this kind of this ministry is in all the ways that, you know, whether it's a sweet neighbor, you know, a PhD therapist, a couple Mm -hmm. of moms doing their best to help, you know, if everybody knew how sacred and how uh, close to God you, you feel in this.
1: Yeah. It's like the PhD of learning how to love right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a privilege because who gets to feel that love? We do, right? We feel yeah. our own emotions. So yeah. when we learn how to love through this sacred place and loving each individual as who they really are and not who they think, you know, like fully embrace who that individual is such a gift because that's really how Christ loves us, right? He sees all, he beholds us for who we exactly are. And when we learn to behold each other in that same Light, oh, it's the game changer.
2: Yeah, it's a game changer,
1: and it's sacred, and it's and it's joy, and it's wonderful. It is. Oh, well, I love how you have helped us through. Is it just a fact?
0: Yeah. Any last
1: words of advice would you say to parents about this all? I
2: mean, just I've said everything, but trust your kids, listen to them, honor them, honor their experiences. Help them as they navigate the, the fads of their day, if you want to call it that, but as they navigate identity exploration, just the same way that you have had people help you.
0: Yeah, You know, let's really quickly just address the identity exploration of like my day, Jenny's day, and even probably your day mm-hmm. versus what it is today. Yeah, it's entirely different than it was when I mean, you you were gay or straight, you were, um, like, like I would say, like a light switch, you had like two buttons for each, you know, for your sexual identity, for your gender identity, two buttons, maybe a third with the bisexual sort of, but that was not well understood when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So, right, people still say, choose something, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know, I oh. Not good. But so let's just, let's just address what that, what
2: those differences are. And so then moving to my generation, um, so I'm in my mid thirties. So moving to my generation, then we did have terms like bisexual, pansexual, we didn't have quite gender, queer, gender fluid, or transgender fully. We maybe had kind of the binary of trans or trans masculine or trans feminine or trans female. Um, so not, so a little bit more, a little bit more nuance, a little more, bu- uh, a few more buttons got added <laughs> to the switch. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and now today we're seeing many more. These kids would have
0: always had, they had all the choices before them mm-hmm. likely would have chosen from the choices. But when you had one or, you know, most of the parents today grew up with two choices. Mm-hmm in each, you know, maybe three in each category. So, so it's just a different, I mean, our kids are looking at a different um, set of identities, really options, Mm -hmm. or like, like great new names for who they really are, rather than they're just this one person or another, or they're just this one person or another.
2: Yeah. And that's, so I'll share one of my favorite resources right now is the Trevor project. They have a, it's called the coming out handbook. Mm -hmm. And they really beautifully go through, like, let's talk about romantic attraction, emotional attraction, sexual attraction, and then the same thing with identity development. And they show the full scope of um, masculinity, femininity, um, and you can walk through your kids. They have really meaningful questions you can ask your kids through that process. Hmm. So I suggest to any parent to like go to the Trevor uh, Project's website, look up the coming out handbook, print it off and just walk through it with your kid.
0: Okay. Oh, such a good idea. Yeah. We'll put it in the or, show yeah, notes in and the show I'll notes. link it on, edu- on our educate button on left and left. Yeah. So that you can get right to it. Cause really vocabulary and being able to talk about it. It's just, it's the key.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a great tool for parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Lacey, you'd be another great tool for parents. So ah. you only take clients improv or do you take out of state too? So I'm only
2: licensed in the state of Utah, which means we can only see clients in the state of Utah. But thanks to the pandemic and the rush to teletherapy <laughs> that we got, I can see clients and anyone in my clinic can see clients throughout the state of Utah. So was- every corner.
1: Okay. So how do they find you if they would like to um, do some therapy with your group?
2: Yeah. So go to CelebrateTherapy.org. Um, we're also on social media. So you can do at uh, Celebrate Therapy. You can also find my information at Dr. Lacey Bagley. And we also have Queer Mormon Therapist Directory, so they can find us there as well.
1: Okay. We will um, put out all
0: of the show notes too, so they can find you if they need to. Okay. Excellent. Okay. We have one last question for you. What does it mean to you to lift and love? I've been so excited to answer this. (laughs) I love it. Um, For me,
2: it's lifting... Individuals, couples, and families, so that they can love themselves and love their families fully.
0: Mm,
1: That's perfect, boy. Because that, when they love themselves, that is when they really thrive as a family, right? Mm. And as a couple. Yes. Mm. Yep. Love it. This is a
0: perfect goal for everyone.
1: Yep. Oh, you gave us such good wisdom and such good advice. Even advice I'm going to take with my parenting. No,
0: thank you so much for taking the time with us. Yes you're so welcome good luck to you we just are so grateful to have you there helping our children in mm-hmm. December
1: you know. which is perfect yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: because the our kids are down there that's the right, right. <laughs> all right Say them over thank <laughs> you thank you bye
1: thank you for joining us if you like what we share subscribe to the lift and love podcast and if you have a minute leave us a five-star rating so other families like yours can find us When your child comes out, you need to find support where you feel safe and understood. This is why we created the Lift & Love Coaching Community, a place where parents can connect,
0: learn, and grow in a private setting. Jenny is a certified, advanced-trained, faith-based life coach with almost 10,000 hours of coaching. Together, we have worked with hundreds of families just like yours. To see if the Lift & Love community is right for you, go to liftandlove.org and and click on the community link. For more free information, support groups, and available resources, check out liftandlove.org and 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 liftandlove.org on Instagram and Facebook. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.